Greetings from motherfucking Podcastville. It's July 9th, motherfuckers. Get your shit together. The Church of What's Happening Now is brought to you by Hymns. Listen, 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. Once you notice thinning hair, it's too late. Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spots yet? I got the solution. 4hymns.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Listen to me. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements, just prescription solutions backed by science. Now, today, the church family can get started with hymns with a complete hair kit for just $5. Listen, it's tough losing your hair. And when you're young, you're losing your hair. It's not a good feeling, I understand. But listen, we got help with science now. And it starts with 4 What we're going to do is give you a complete hair kit for just $5. That's right. You heard it right. $5 to get started right now while supplies last and subject to a doctor's approval. You got to see the website for full details and safety information. Now, this could cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor. You know that and I know that. And if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy or somewhere else, you got to be embarrassed and whatnot and your head do. Forget about that. <coughs> Go to hymns. 4hymns.com slash Joey right now. J-O-E-Y. That's 4hymns.com slash Joey. Again, 4hymns.com slash Joey. They'll take care of you with whatever you want. From hair loss to skin care, from sexual wellness, that's 4hymns.com slash Joey. The Church of What's Happened Now is also brought to you by one of the best supplement companies out there in the country. On it. You're sitting there going, Joey, why should I go to on it? Why? Because you're sitting there scratching your head, thinking about what you forgot. That don't happen with on it. You know why? They got alpha brain. If you don't like it, you get a hundred percent money back money percent, hundred percent money back guarantee. Alpha brain is made from nootropics. It gets deep into your mind. It makes you a little bit more focused, remembers things, you know, shit like that. Give it a shot. Makes you alert. Beside that, they got the shroom tech shroom port. And the Shroom Tech Immune, which I live off by, you know me, I'm on fucking planes, you know, around all these fucking people with gas masks on and shit. They don't wash their fucking hands. That shit all ends with Shroom Tech Immune. It tip top magoos your fucking immune system so you won't get sick. And you got Shroom Tech Sport for enhanced breathing, more lung capacity, stuff like that. Listen, I can't explain everything to you. I'm not a genius. Go to onit.com right now and look at the fine selection of supplements. They got the bats. They got the kettlebells. I can't help you with that. But as far as supplements are concerned, I got you. 10% off delivered to your house. Just go to onit.com right now. Press church, C-H-U-R-C-H, and get 10% off your first order delivered to your motherfucking house. Kick this motherfucking mule, Lee. Beautiful Tuesday morning. Everyone's got their chains to break. The earthquakes are done. Who gives a fuck? And we're back to normal, cocksuckers. Uncle Joey. Christian Vlad. And the Christ Killer coming at you. Someone new I need somewhere to hang 
Christian Fletts in the house from the fucking one of the top five bands in the world in my fucking world, uh, the Foo Fighters. How are you, brother? Good, man. How are you doing? Thank you for taking the time out. And, uh, you know, this is an honor. Oh, thanks for having me. When uh, Justin called me and asked me, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I watched that video. I've watched you on that video thousands of times. Yeah, right on. You know, that's a great fucking All the videos, all the, it's just amazing, the whole, uh, how'd you end up with them? You had a call for? Yeah, I, I just auditioned, you know, like I was just one of a one of a bunch of guys that, that was lucky enough to get an audition and not too far from here, actually. There's a little rehearsal studio out here in the Valley called Mates and uh, went in there and, and like played a few songs and then went back to San Francisco and then came, I was living in San Francisco at the time and then came back down a week later and had a sort of a more extensive audition and <clears throat> and then they let me know the next day that I got the gig and it's been kind of fucking been chugging along just, ever since just a sweet surfer guy from Santa Barbara now one of the world's greatest rock and roll bands it's funny because I've read a couple of your things and seen a couple of your and I don't want to beat the same interview but a friend asked you if you wanted to audition for guns and you're like nah but I heard that the guitar yeah, is split from Foo. Can you get me an audition there? That was well. It's funny because you know, like that the that thing. Um, I've told that story before, and and it's sort of evolved on the internet into this into this internet rumor that, <laughs> that you were in Guns N' Roses. Yeah, or that I was. Right, yeah, right, that right, I was either that, in the gun or was gonna be in right. Guns. None of that's true at all. And you have to like. It's sort of hard to to uh, remember in context of like 1999. That was like you know Guns N' Roses was. It was Axel and like a bunch of other guys. There was like no Slash, no Duff, no Izzy. You know, that like it was many years after all that. So had like Guns N' Roses in 1987 asked me to join their band. I definitely <laughs> would have. But at the time, you know, I was like, you know, my buddy Bill just knew somebody that knew somebody that could have maybe could have got me an audition for whatever sort of version of it was happening then. So that that was it. And I just said, you know, I heard Foo Fighters need a guitar player, and so uh, he wound up helping me get an audition. Did there. you have a dream of being? Because you came basically from punk. Yeah, I know sort that you're of. More of a punk guy. I mean, I and... grew up listening to like classic rock, heavy metal, you know, sort of stuff. And then you know, punk rock just sort of happened along the way. And um, and I wound up playing a band called No Use for a Name. And I was living up in San Francisco at the time. And and um, and that uh, you know, I'd been in that band about four and a half years at that time. So I kind of you know, I don't know. I, I at, at that time I, I remember thinking like. Maybe this whole music thing has kind of run its course. Maybe this is as as far as it's going to go. And then and then the Foo Fighter thing popped up, and it was like how was crazy. punk in the nineties? Punk in the nineties was great. I mean, that was the first time I was ever in a band that that you know had a following, and people actually came out to see, and we toured and made records and did all that stuff. You know, it was it was great. It's funny because in the nineties I disconnected from music because of my commitment to comedy. Right. Like, I didn't, I really was, I was up on whatever you gave me. You know, I was up on Soundgarden, Super Unknown, and Bad Motorfinger, and Alive. By, you know, the albums that were high at that time. Previous to that, I would go to a record st a store and buy everything, yeah. you know. But after the 90s, it was just so fast for me. One minute I was listening to Here Comes the Rooster. And then the next minute, it's 2003, and I'm listening to the Foo Fighters, you know. Nirvana, once that tragedy happened in 94. So the later the 90s got, I, I lost my music 
like uh, whatever, you know. Well, there was that thing, you know, like in the early mid '90s when bands like Green Day and the Offspring and stuff got really big, right? And so there were, and so then like major labels went out and signed like all the punk rock bands and all that stuff. But the label that that the band that I was in was on was this label called Fat Records, and that was like, you know, I mean, I guess you'd think of it as like indie punk rock, whatever, underground kind of thing. And it was, um, and that scene did really, really well. But it did really well outside of the mainstream. You know, what I mean, it's like none of those bands got radio, uh, had like radio hits or were featured in mainstream magazine or any of that sort of thing. So it was like it was a weird time because at the same time that that sound was like really big commercially, there was still this underground current of of bands that weren't main. You know, that never broke through that mainstream and that was like the band that i was in now the band that you were in you did tours obviously oh yeah yeah and nationwide worldwide yeah yeah, yeah. i mean we that uh we you know we toured europe a couple times i know you opened up for a band dave was in at one time well that was when i was in uh high school actually really yeah that was that was so he was in a band called scream um you know before he was in nirvana and they played in santa barbara where i grew up and i was in a band at the time called rat pack and our band opened up for their band and what's touring at like a Chinese restaurant? Um, I never, bones, yeah, like yeah I never toured back then. You know, I never like in 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 high school. I almost got it. I got a chance to join. There was a local band from Santa Barbara called RKL, Rich Kids on LSD, and they were looking for a bass player. My brother Scott is an incredible bass player, so they really wanted to get him in the band. They they called our house looking for him, and but I answered the phone. And so they wound up coming over and playing me their new record. They just made this record that was like kind of a groundbreaking record in, in punk rock world called uh, Lifestyles of the Rich Kids on LSD. And it was fucking nuts. Like it was way beyond my ability. And they can, I remember Bomber, who was the drummer and kind of the, you know, the songwriter and leader of that band, came over and sat there in my bedroom and played me all these songs. And I just... I didn't even bother to try. I just said, dude, I can't play that. <laughs> so it was like, that was my first little taste of almost joining a band that were like, I would have gone on the road and stuff, but it was, you know, I had to wait a few more years. Now, years after that, when you were on the road with the punk rock bands and stuff, how was that? It's great. You just, just in a van? Or? Yeah, in a van, you know, we had like an Econo line, I think it was, and it was oh like a pop God. top Econo line. It was the greatest. Cause like, I, I never went anywhere when I grew up. So I, I was so eager to tour. I just wanted to get out and see the world. I just wanted to, I didn't care where I was. I'd be in the, you know, just on some empty road in the Midwest. You drive by a silo and be like, fuck, look at that silo. It's amazing. <laughs> this is I, the best. And you guys would just do like whiskey go goes across the country, not or like all, worse than like, that. Most of the time, it'd be no like, you know, shit. Yeah, like VFW halls and you know the Elks Lodge, and then every now and again you'd play a club that had a decent PA or something. But a lot of time it was kind of it'd be pretty low rent. <laughs> so it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. You yeah, see, that's for sure. Right. I mean, you know, the craziest thing. I mean, outside it just. I mean, there are so many crazy things about when I joined the Foo Fighters. But one of the great things to me at the time was like i just didn't have to load my gear anymore <laughs> i just <laughs> gave my guitar to a, this guitar tech and then i never had to see it again until it was showtime it was like heaven so like what do you think first because I, I don't know music that well there has to be a when you audition for the foo fighters there's a lot of people who can play guitar really well what like what do you think stood out for you like why did they choose you like what 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 are bands looking for when they audition someone for something like that i don't know you know it's a funny thing because i've never asked like i never asked david the other guys like specifically why did i get the gig you know i don't know i have my theories but um i think 
you know, I'd like to think that part of it was at least that I learned the shit before I came in. Okay. <laughs> like, had a, you know, so, so, I knew, so you, knew how to play their songs. So you played their songs. Now, I thought you yeah. might, might have played some, like, uh, covers or something. No. It was, uh, okay. They sent me a cassette tape of the stuff. I was actually in New York visiting some friends of mine and, and got a call from, from Foo Fighters tour manager, Gus, who was like, hey, we're having auditions next week. You know, we'll send you some songs if you want to come down and do it. Uh, so they sent me a cassette tape. And on the cassette tape, you see, they had made the third record with like Learn to Fly and all that on it, but it wasn't out yet. So I didn't know that record. You know, nobody knew that record yet. But so it was a song off the first record, a song off the second record, a song off the Godzilla soundtrack that I hadn't heard, but I guess was out. And then a song off the unreleased third record. Learn to Fly. Yeah, it wasn't that. So it was a song called Aurora. No, no, but it was oh, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that. Now, what the was the album record. where the drummer quit and then Dave had to go on and do the tracks? Was learned to that fly? was the second record. That was the second yeah, yeah, record. Yeah. That was the second. Just record. great stories, like just how Dave put the band together. Yeah, yeah. The first guy joined. He didn't want a tour. He split, and then he came back yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah. But you're still the lead. And he's more of a rhythm guy? Or? I mean, there's not a ton of like, you know, right, like right. lead guitar type of stuff in, in Foo Fighters. So I, I always get called the lead guitar player, but I just think I'm like, to me, I'm just one of the guitar players. It's just know? amazing how much the music has changed. Like when I was growing up, you had a lead. Right. You had a lead. Everybody well, totally. Lead. Everybody, you know, that was like, that Everybody was like when I was a kid. Right. That's why I play guitar the way I do is because I wanted to be Ace Fraley and Randy Rhodes and, you know, to, well, I wanted to be one of those guys. Who did you look up to when you first started oh, playing? Oh, Ace Fraley was, was... How fucking good is Ace? Yeah, he's the man. I'm an Ace guy. I'm a Randy Rhodes guy. Randy Rhodes was a big one. But I'm also a David Gilmore guy. Sure, David sure. Gilmore could take you to places where... I mean, I liked all those guys when I grew up. I love all those guys. I loved Richie Blackmore was a really big Blackmore. one for me. I Eddie just, Van Halen. I, mean, I just you know, didn't like this fucking attitude. Right. <laughs> Richie Blackmore always got on my last fucking yeah. nerve. He can never keep a singer. Right. Do you see what he looks like today? Yeah. He looks like a fucking witch. <laughs> like, the fact that he's on the road, he should be shot. Uh, he's not touring Deep Purple, right? He's touring yeah, something else. So. Like he, yeah. he let Deep think, Purple. Doesn't he play, like, lute music or something? He <laughs> is out of his is. mind. If you yeah. look up what he looks like, yeah. I saw a picture of him. He looks like a witch. Yeah, yeah. He wears the witch hat, the whole fucking thing. I thought he was always, I saw him when I was young. It was, like, Rainbow and, like, oh, the you Scorpions. Saw really? Yeah. See, I never got to see Rainbow. Like that that era, I mean Ronnie James Dio for me was like that was that that lineup of Rainbow. Tremendous. Was, yeah. Tremendous. Uh what's the one uh I forget the album. What well there's like Kill the King and Kill the King. The good songs. Yeah, Long Live Rock and Roll. Long Live Rock and Roll. Then there's that one. Which one? Man on the Silver Mountain. Man on the Silver Mountain. But then there's but where do we go? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that called? Is that Stargazer? Yes. Yes. Stargazer. I loved all that yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I love Clapton. You got to love Paige somewhere along sure. the line. And sure, now, sure. You know, once you watch the live shows out of New York, you're like, what the fuck was he thinking? Yeah. That was 1973. Oh, yeah. So who were your influences, basically? Uh, yeah, it was like all that. You know, we like, I, I was lucky I had older <coughs> brothers. You know, my older brothers had great record collections. So it was a lot of Stones, a lot of Beatles. And then, um, you know, just all the classic rock stuff. Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Deep Joe Purple. Perry, another you know, all that stuff. Joe yeah. Perry's savagery, too. Yeah. And then it sort of turned into like Judas Priest and Scorpions and all that sort of thing. Iron Maiden was a big one. 
in our house. Rush, my brother was, Scott I, went like deep into Rush, so that was that was definitely. I didn't like Jake Lee. Lee. Got oh, Getty Lee. Fucking nerve. Whatever his fucking <laughs> name is. The drum is one of the best in the business yeah. at that time. I still thought it was the guy from the police. I saw him live, and he was just fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bazio from uh, sure from uh, Joe's Garage was always great. I mean, I liked all those guys, but as far as guitars, I liked. The, I was a Gilmore guy. Randy just yeah flipped the fucking switch. Yeah, yeah. I was there when uh, Van Halen opened up for Sabbath at the Garden. Oh, really? And it was like. Like he like silence, you know. He right. did eruption, and you yeah, really yeah. got me. And running for the devil, like you just knew it was something special. But when I saw Randy, when I heard Randy, I knew we were on to a different fucking. Yeah, world. I was. I was so sad, you know. I never got to see him play live. It was just I was a little too young. I didn't start going to shows till like eighty three. Um, so I missed. You know, I didn't. I didn't get to see a lot of those bands. I still you know? remember the D.L. Ozzy crossover. Yeah. You, well, Dio we, was my first. That was my first concert. Okay. It was what, Dio on his first tour. No shit. Yeah, yeah. With so was, uh, Vivian Campbell. Yeah, oh, yeah. Guys. Jimmy Bain and tremendous, Vivian Campbell. Vinny Appice. All yeah, that lineup. Yeah, unbelievable. But it was crazy uh, how his uh, the crossover the Sabbath was really rough for a lot of people. I loved it. I thought Heaven I, and Hell was a great. Record. Well, let me tell you something. I was the first one that wanted to shoot Dio. But when I heard the fucking album, yeah. you know, oh, those the proof are those, is in the yeah. fucking pudding. Absolutely. As much as I wanted to hate fucking DL, I drove all the way to Philly, and we saw Sabbath with DL, mm. Sammy Hagar with Shaken Street. Oh. People were fucking putting spit on their fingers <laughs> and flinging them at Sammy Hagar because <laughs> Philadelphia has so much class. You know what I'm saying? When they like you in Philly, they like you. My brother saw it. that tour. It was the Black and Blue tour. It was yes, Sabbath and Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult yeah. joined up later yeah, yeah. on. I think they played at Ventura Fairgrounds. Yeah. And my, yeah. I, again, I was a little too young to go to that Fucking one. Fucking tremendous. Yeah. I have great memories of my of because I shared a room with my brothers. How many brothers Scott. do you have? I got two brothers. And they had the posters. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. But I remember like- The reef under the bed. Yeah, and so my brother Scott was going to a lot of shows. He went to- he, like, Everything. He there saw everything. Every he would come down to LA and he'd see Van Halen, whatever. He saw all that stuff. And I have, the, like, I have great memories of waking up in the morning on like a school morning and my brother being like sacked out in the, the bed below mine and just seeing his like crisp new concert t-shirt from the night before- laid out on his chair you know i just I, like i remember seeing like the the mob rules you know three-quarter length sleeve just kind of draped over just, oh, man. when i was growing I up it. you couldn't wear a concert t-shirt unless you went to that fucking concert <laughs> right like people would stop you come here did you go to that concert take the fucking shirt how could you get it if you didn't go to the concert Be no because people would still like if you go to the concert bring me your shirt so oh, okay. be cool when i was like the other night some girl had a shirt on some young girl at the rec room, and I felt like saying, "Just give me one album that they wrote. Right. Yeah. Just give me." I one I was want to say, "Just hum, hum yeah, one song. Just hum one that. fucking song." <laughs> you know, my friend said he went to see the Dead and Boulder. He's an old deadhead, and he goes, "You know, just as a trick, just as a treat, I wanted to treat myself." You know, uh, Mayor is fucking tremendous on that tour. Let me go out to college. This was a couple of years ago. He called me like. The show started at 7.30, Colorado time, which is like 5.30 here. I got a call like by fucking half hour later. He said he had to leave Red Rocks. <laughs> there was just a bunch of rich white kids 
with fucking uh, Grateful Dead shirts on, smoking pot. And that upset him? He Oh, he this guy followed them. <laughs> you know, this guy didn't take showers for eight days to go to a dead show. And now he shows up and there's all these kids pulling up in BMWs with dead t-shirts ripped, you know, to show them like they, stop, <laughs> stop. You're not allowed in here. You can't wear that shirt. Okay. You didn't go to the show. How are you going to wear that shirt? I saw they've got like a Grateful Dead line at James Purse. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's that's got to bum your friend out pretty hard. Oh, it bums me out. <laughs> it bums me out. Name one fucking, you know, I had to fucking get on the bus and go see these shows and fight Puerto Ricans to get into, the fucking, <laughs> to get into New York City. You know how hard uh, it was to get, like, ACDC, Def Leppard tickets, you know, in 81, 80. Like, it was rough to go in there. People would take your shit. I remember the Ozzy Osbourne, some guy just jumped on my friend and started dry humping him during the concert. He had to throw a beat on the guy during the fucking concert. <laughs> shit, the cops came. You earned that shirt. You had to earn that fucking shirt. I remember the first show that I went to, that Dio show. You know, this was in 83, so it was maybe a couple years after that. Like, all those people had been trampled to death at that Who concert in Cincinnati that's or wherever right, that was. That's right, that's right. And I was like, you know, 12 or whatever. I remember just being in there going like, oh, shit. Some some crazy shit's gonna go down. It's being on edge until the show kind of got going. I was like, okay, okay, I think I'm safe. I got it. Well, and, and I'm I, I'm can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Who was the guy who came in here? He does all the traveling now. Um, he was in. He's in a, a heavy like a heavy metal band, and he said his fans used to punch him during the show. Oh, Sid Quirin. No. No, he, he has all the tattoos. He does the podcast. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. He said he used to get in fights mid-show. He was. Oh sick. yeah, that was a different world of punk. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's a different People. world. That's that was eighties punk, right? Yeah, I mean that was. I'm sure he's. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that. Had some rough times. Yeah, that was that Black was, Flag. Was, I think. Black Flag. That's right, Black Flag. That's rough. Now, as a kid, when did you pick up the guitar? I started playing when I was about 11. Yeah. And at 18, did you have any dreams, any illusions? Yeah. No, I kind of, I kind of, I, I feel like, you know, now that I have kids and um, no, no, I'm a dad, have, like, like, what, no, I'm saying, like, I, I feel like I was pretty lucky that I knew what I wanted to do from a very, like, a really young, no, from like 14, maybe. I was like, that's when it really, like, that's when I started going to see shows a lot. And I was going down to LA a lot to go see shows. And I just thought, you know, that, like, that's for me. I want to do that. So from pretty much from that point on, I just thought, I'm just kind of counting the days until I turn 18, and then I'm going to move to L.A., and I'm going to go, you know, go make it. But is that exactly what you did at 18? More or less. When I turned 18, I was kind of, I had dropped out of high school at the beginning of my senior year, and I was just kind of fucking around and didn't have a job and was just hanging out at the beach every day and not really doing much of anything. And I remember about a week before my 18th birthday, my mom was like, uh, my mom was a probation officer up in Santa Barbara and she was like fuck this I got you a job on Monday go see Linda down at down at probation and, and you've got a job now I was like ah oh. so she basically made me get a job which was like the best thing that ever happened to me at that point because I went and I and I got a job at the probation department as like a um just like a clerk you know in the records room filing shit and uh because of that job that was right when i turned 18 and then i worked there for maybe like six months or something i saved up enough money to move to la i saved up enough money to buy an amp and move to la that's what that's what that job did for me and how many years did you go around kicking around in bands for oh i mean i i first started playing bands in like 
ninth grade and played in lots of bands all through high school and moved to LA and played in a bunch of different bands and then uh, moved up to San Francisco uh, in 95. And right after that, I joined No Use for Name. And then, you know, that was their money then? Were you just getting by? Uh, that was No Use for Name was the first, that was like I was, you know, I was, I was paying rent most of the time. Be <laughs> you know what i mean how like, weird is that yeah, to tell somebody yeah. that you were well I'm, i had like my nut was like you know 450 bucks a month yeah. or something like that and, and i still I was good do it. you know yeah that was and, my nut my yeah. nut was like eight bills yeah. and i still struggled yeah i kept my nut low well because... we would come home from tour you'd have a little money in your pocket i'd have you know i'd be good for a couple of months and then i'd go get a job delivering pizzas or working at the coffee shop or whatever until we went on tour again and i did that for pretty much the whole time i was in no use was it hard for you guys to start asking for money for I mean comedy and then music like was no. it weird no you you, you, you you were good at it you were just like right now, away you know it's funny you know it's it's funny you ask I don't know what it's like for comedians but in music especially in America like you're really kind of treated like a criminal in the in the club world until you you know have a booking agent and you put records out and all and even then still like, even then. you know i mean you go out and, and they don't want to you know nobody wants to honor your ride or give you any you know you ask for water and towels or some beers or something and people are like oh fucking rock star you know that whole thing right um which kind of blew my mind the first time i ever toured europe because you tour europe and it's they just have a, a whole different system over there you know where they just they do like they feed you they give you all the booze you can drink you know it's just a different thing but in the states, it's really hard, man. You don't get paid, even when even when you're a relatively kind of popular band, you can sell fifty or hundred tickets or what. You know what I mean? Like you're still not really. It's. I think it was maybe easier when I was first starting out. I think it's much harder now. Wow. I just look at with my own like my solo touring stuff, and it's like I don't really have a huge draw or anything. And it's like I, I you know, I know how I do it. It's kind of a luxury. F- for me you know I, I i enjoy it and it's fun but it's it's a fucking black hole financially you know like i don't know how any young band does it it's nuts you know i don't know how anybody gets a foothold anymore years ago don't i don't know the name of the band now i know that they they were popular in the early 2000s and they got another guitar player and they moved on they, they but a kid in my building in hollywood this had to be 99, was one of the opening bands on their tour. And he basically said they did not get paid. Right. On this Now, sometimes tour. people pay. Right. They were paying. They pay to they get were paying. They were the yeah. first band you saw. There was two other bands and then them. Yeah. And they were hot at the time. I, yeah. I just can't remember. The name doesn't come to me. But they were. it was costing them to pay. You got to... The music business 30 years ago and today is completely fucking different. Yeah. There's no music sales. They well, you know, the music sales. In the mid 90s, you know, when I was first starting the tour, you know, you could still sell CDs. So, like, our right. record label, it was like a small punk rock label. So, they wouldn't cut us a check for tour support, but they would give you as many CDs as you could sell. And that was a sort of de facto tour support. And you would sell them. You know, you go out, you, you, those bands in, in that scene existed on T-shirts and CDs. Because you would just sell shitloads of them at your shows. And that's how we, we you know, were able to do it. It's uh, crazy how much music has changed. I was talking to Rudy. And he was talking, Rudy Sarso. Oh, yeah. We were talking about 
when White's when he was with, I guess Quiet Riot and somebody else, you were guaranteed a certain amount of money every night in T-shirt sales. Hmm. So the opening band was guaranteed seven fifty a night. If so, if you did four shows, that was side money. And then the headliner was guaranteed, whatever, 1500 a, man, a band member. Wow. For shirts, you know. Even at that, and they were doing arenas. Yeah. Like, I, the, the numbers of, I kept them small because I don't want people to think I'm exaggerating or whatever, but they were up there. I'm sure. What yeah. they were making. They were also, you were also selling music at record stores, you know. Yeah. Now we don't. All have those bands that. were losing money on tour, I think, back then, too. Yes. And now it's completely gone the other way. Right. Now you everybody have makes to. money on tour. Well, you have no you choice. Yeah, you have no choice yeah, now. You have to. I saw them. Uh, at, I saw a Quiet Riot. That was the first big show I ever saw. It was Quiet Riot at the Forum with, uh, with White Snake. That's what up. he was saying. Yeah, yeah Quiet Riot. It White was White Snake that when John Sykes was the guitar player. Jesus Christ. Yeah, was, that was a good show. And now you're in the Foo Fighters. You've done how many albums with the Foo Fighters? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. If I have to check. It's a bunch. <laughs> I mean, it's it's twenty years to did come. Did you learn August. tracks on "Learning to Fly"? D did I uh, learn them? No, no. Oh, I didn't record on that record. What that did was, you that, record on? That was I, the next record. Uh, one, one by one, one. Yeah. you recorded. That on, was which the first is, record. I did. According to Wikipedia, it says seven. Yes, you've been on seven fucking Foo Fighters out. I think so. Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> and do you still feel like you made it? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure. But I don't. I'm. I'm just not hardwired to to go like. Yes, we've made it. You no, know, you're opposite. I, like, I still feel like at any, at any minute, star. like things could be pulled. When you know, the rug you, could be pulled out from under you. You know, I saw like your videos. I watched your videos. Then I saw one of your little pictures. I'm like, he looks like a guy I could buy like a surfboard from. <laughs> like, you look like you have no. I do have some for sale. I was gonna right. say. You so have, we'll talk after the show. You have no. Uh, you didn't come in here with a rock star attitude or a rock star <laughs> anything. You're just a uh, beach guy that yeah. plays the fucking ukulele, the guitar. Because <laughs> I know you love your guitars. You're like, I've yeah. seen you, pictures of you with. You know, you're such an interesting guy because I see a picture of you with a flying V. You know, there you are, Michael Schenkner Jr., you know? And then you're also, like, you're great friends with Fucknut. You know, uh, Wheeler Walker, and you're into oh, Honky. Oh, shit, yeah. And you're into Honky Tonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. your podcast. Uh, yeah. You interview country people, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, It's so weird how I see you on stage fucking jamming to uh, Best of You, and then, you, you know, you just put out a song uh, June 16th, and it's honky tonk. Well, it's funny, you know. To me, like the like country music and rock and roll music aren't that far apart. And like you know, I got a lot of good friends, and I mean, you know, certainly in rock, and, and then in country too. And it seems like, especially with country music people, there's so much crossover there. You know, like so many of the people that I that I know in the in the world of country and Americana and all that are are you know people that grew up listening to rock and roll music too. So I, I like to me, they kind of go hand in hand. But you know, I know like to to a lot of people that like it might seem strange, like genre hopping, but it doesn't feel like that so much to me. You know, you're an artist. You're a fucking artist. I'm an artist, goddammit. it! You're a fucking artist. <laughs> I'll do what I want. Didn't John Lennon say if you gave him a tuba, hmm. he'd figure out how to get a fucking sound out of it? Right. Yeah. You're an artist. Yeah. Nothing more than I love. 
you know, I loved when, I mean, don't get me wrong, the singer was horrible. But I loved <laughs> when fucking Joe Perry left Aerosmith and did the Joe Perry project. Mm. You know, I love, when I see a guitar player, a drummer, when I see a fuck nut, the other guy from Guns N' Roses, great guy, okay. Mark Duff, Duff yeah. Duff, yeah, collaborate sure. with yeah, yeah. Shooter, okay? Yeah. You're telling me something. Yeah, yeah. You're telling me, number one, you're not a fucking knucklehead. <laughs> that growing up, if I came to your house. That's up for debate. <laughs> if, I came to your house, if I come to your house with opera, a guy like you would find the beauty in it. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. When it comes I mean, to I music. I think that's true for most musicians. Like most musicians, have, I think, have pretty broad musical taste. You know, most people that like sort of spend a life in music. Well, it's shit that shocks you. That's what it is. Like when right. You, when you ask somebody what's your favorite, like I remember I saw this big black dude one time with dreads, and he came up to me at the comedy stage like, "Hey man, you're shooting the longest yard," and I'm like, "Hey, this Adam Sandler is my favorite." And I'm like, Don't, "Aren't you in the Crips? <laughs> like, how is Adam Sandler your fucking favorite?" You know what I'm saying? People shock me. So even when I uh, see musicians who they like and who they support, and you know, like you and Wesley Walker, Wheeler Walker. You know, you're two different fucking dudes, but you're the same. He's an artist, man. Yeah, like, sure. I figured out how to just write. He's got great country music. Yeah, I mean, his ba the band. I, mean, I think, yeah, I think that's why his. Great. I think that's why his records have done well. You know, it's yeah, like those it, songs are catchy. You know, you, if he didn't, it's have funny because I interviewed him for for when I first met him as when I interviewed him for my for my podcast, and uh, and my wife. I was listening to it. It was when his first record was Big Fat Tits. And I was listening to it, like just kind of getting some questions together, <laughs> like listening to it. And my wife came home. She didn't know that it was like a, you know, it's like a, she didn't know that it was tongue in cheek, you know, his lyrics. And was like, fuck you, bitch, and all that stuff. And she came, she's like, what the fuck is this ignorant shit you're listening to? She got so mad. I was like, no, no, baby, I'm doing research. <laughs> Has she met him? I don't think so. Maybe. Does she want to meet him? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but it just yeah. always intrigued me when I, you know, as a child and as a fan of music, when a guy takes off, does something, and it's completely different from what his genre is. Sure. That shows me he's a true fucking artist. And that's what is in his heart. He enjoys playing Aerosmith music. He yeah. enjoys doing Big Ten Inch and fucking whatever. Yeah, yeah. And on the weekends, he dresses up like Spider-Man and he... <laughs> and he plays the violin. I don't fucking. Well, I know. tell you, you know, it's it's really true. Like I did a lot of solo touring in the first part of this year. Um, you know, some of it just full on, like just me and an acoustic guitar, an acoustic, and then some yeah, of it yeah. with a band. And and we, you know, like did a lot of logged a lot of miles. You know, for like pretty much the first half of the year. And then we went back and did did a week of shows with Foos in the states, and then just did a couple weeks in Europe. And it really does kind of like it's that's one of the advantages of doing what we do is the fact that i that i do have the time to go out and and do these other things i can come back to it and i'm like it just kind of recharges you as a player you know didn't what's his name say success is going from area to area with equal enthusiasm MacArthur said that and it's really i enjoy that too yeah it's good like when you're sketched up to be a comic for years i just saw comics getting whipped every week <laughs> carry that luggage on tuesday uh, see you sunday get home monday morning turn around do laundry and i love doing stand-up i got nothing against it but you know what i live in la 
I want to do a movie from time to time. Right. And from time to time, I don't want to go on the road. I'd rather do three podcasts one week. And I think that that keeps me sharp. You know? That keeps yeah. me sharper than I've ever been. Yeah. When I was just doing stand-up all the time, I was just living in a stand-up world. I could just see just living for the food. You know, just living for the fucking food. And, you know, I think about it now in hindsight. If he would have done that, like if they would have done that, they would have probably, st- well, Glenn Fry is dead like the Eagles. There was that six or seven years. Did you ever see that, what they went through? With uh, like the before the long run, they had a hard time, and oh, yeah, they yeah. had a the follow up to Hotel California, and then before that, they had an album. So all those three albums, they were together like every fucking day. Well, there's something for six or seven years. There's something about yeah, like like touring yeah. all the time. It's like you kind of put your life on hold. Yeah, you I don't know? care how much it's like I a like time you, machine. Chris. I don't want to see you every day for three years. I might yeah. love you. You're my best fucking friend. <laughs> but eventually, we're gonna disagree on something. Right. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, we're gonna disagree and then disagree and disagree. And then it's a powder keg, and then they didn't want to talk to each other. Right. Like when I see a guy like Don Felder, I wish that after like Hotel California. He would have gone down. A, if they didn't want him to sing on that fucking song, you know, they screwed him over. Right, right. Fine. You're that good of a fucking guitarist. Go get three fucking dudes and go put something together up at the Canyon Club. Right. And put right. it down. And that would have gave that that situation some levity. Yeah. That's why I think you guys are so successful, the Foo Fighters. Because he's always that motherfucker's always doing something. Yeah. Oh, that dude, sure. David yeah. Grohl, you know, you look at him. He's always doing something. He's, oh, definitely. He's in Cuba playing yeah. conga drums. <laughs> he's in a fuck, you know. He's in Virginia doing this. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> pretty much everybody in the band is like in one one way or another. And I think that probably you know it's got to have something to do with with the longevity of the band. You know, everybody kind of goes and scratches whatever itch they need to scratch, and then you you come back and and you're you're good to go. I mean, you're going on close to seventeen years. Twenty years. 20 years. 20 years, yeah. Wow, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, and you still sound better than ever. <laughs> God, I mean, so is, is part of of you doing solo touring is, and I'm, I, I know you're not going to say you get sick of it because, you, but how, how, what does it feel like to be on tour and you're doing songs that you wrote 15, 20 years ago? Does it, does, do you still get enjoyment out of that? Is it, is it more exciting to play new stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, it's always more exciting to play new stuff because, like, you know, you don't know it as well. And there's a little more of that fear factor okay. when you got a new album and you're trying to remember the, you know, it's just less muscle memory. And that those are the songs that give you that little rush, like, oh, I hope I don't fuck this up, you know? Okay. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, you know, all my life and Everlong and songs like that, always, it all, it's always great, you know? Right. I mean, we, it's... We're not the type of band that's going to come out and do like, you know, weird jazz versions of the songs you want to hear and, and all that sort of play a bunch of like obscure B-side. It's just not what we do. And I, I don't think that's what people want to see. Right. And, you know, nowadays it's like to to come to for anybody to come to a show is like you're talking to tickets are expensive, parking, get a sitter, get, you know, let alone you buy beer and a T-shirt or something. It's like. $8,000. You, you $8, yeah, you can't like not play Learn to Fly because maybe you're you don't feel like it that night. You know what right. I mean? Like you gotta you gotta just bring it every night. And I think um I don't know, I think Dave's really that's one of his uh gifts as a band leader is like he gets up for if you could see him before we go on stage, he's like bouncing off the walls for like an hour. And I I think that that's just how he gets like he gets gets it gets going, you know. 
to lead the charge. He's a true performer. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, like I read a little bit about him, his early stuff with Nirvana and stuff like that. He, You could see he enjoys it. Oh, definitely. There's yeah. a lot of people that do it for the drugs. There's a lot of people that do it for the broads. <laughs> You know, it's one thing to really... We do it for those things, but we enjoy right, it. Right, right, yeah. right. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's one thing to be up there, you know, and really be having a great time. I just, on the plane ride back from whatever last week, I, I had not much. Everything I had downloaded, I had watched, and I watched Rolling Stones, uh, whatever, Ooh La La, from, on Netflix. Mm. And towards the end of the thing, they're in Cuba. And he's doing can't get no satisfaction, right? Yeah. I'm sitting on the plane. I got an edible in me. My <laughs> mind's in fucking. I'm like, 40 years he's been singing I can't get no satisfaction, you know? Yeah. How do they go out and still have that enthusiasm? Yeah. All I can think about is the audience. The audience. You know, last sure. night I was watching the Queen movie for a little while. I was watching that in 60 minutes. And I don't know what stadium they had done Queen. They put uh, Rami, whatever his fucking name is, the, the singer, put the tape in, and there was a minute there where the whole arena was singing some, I forget the song right now. You know, sometimes the the energy that you get from the crowd, how many times, what do you think, you think I want to be funny every fucking night? Right. <laughs> you think you want to be funny every night? But when you're listening to the audience and you're in the back, and that's why I don't like a bunch of idiots in the green room talking, get the mm. fuck out of here. I'm listening to that audience. You might be talking to me, I'm not listening to you in the green room. <laughs> I'm listening to that audience, and that audience is getting my dick harder and harder. So sometimes, uh, I love, you know, you, you sit there and you go, how can you do the peanut joke again, Joey? Again, do people, they don't wanna hear you do, you know, there's nothing worse than going to see Santana. You know, like you go to the Hollywood Bowl, you're going to see Santana, you're ready for fucking, uh, you know, not Oye Como Va, but the other one. And also he's like, this is a new song I wrote about Mexicans <laughs> crossing the border. Listen, <laughs> save that for fucking, <laughs> save that for the jazz bar in Malibu right on Mexican night. <laughs> Today you're doing fucking, you're doing samba petite. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw a fucking fit here, okay? You know? Yeah. And it's true what you said. People yeah. pay three, two hundred for yeah, tickets. It's, it's, they don't not, it's hear, not cheap going they to don't the wanna, They don't want to hear Dave go, this is a little song I wrote <laughs> while I was roller skating. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. Sing that. Play that fucking funky music, yeah. white boy. I tell you, we, you know, you mentioned the Stones. We, we got to back up Mick Jagger a few years ago on, uh, on SNL, which is like the greatest night of my life. And, and you do, we did a few rehearsals throughout the week with him. And, and you're talking about like, how does he get up to play those songs or whatever? He would come in every day and go, like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, my voice is a little, a little sore. I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of, lay off a little bit and the minute taylor would count the song in, he just became fucking mick jagger he like mick he jagger. couldn't not be mick jagger you know he became mick jagger. He, yeah he just he would and every time he said oh, i'm just gonna kind of lay back Take and then he, I'm yeah and he never took it light he just went full you know 110 percent. can you imagine time. when he bangs those little 23 year olds like, i'm 70 i'm not gonna put it in your ass bam next thing you know <laughs> <laughs> you got a dick in your ass, and you're hearing fucking beast of burden. You know what I'm 
<laughs> Were you? Did you grow up a Mick Jagger fan? Or? Oh, big time, big yeah, time yeah. Stones. Yeah, yeah. Fan. I was at, they're like my ultimate. Really? Yeah. Are you gonna go catch them in Pasadena? Uh, I'd like to. Yeah. Are you I'd thinking like about to. it? I'm yeah. thinking about it. I've yeah. Seen. When is that gig? I think they rescheduled. I think it's still August twenty something like mm. that. Ooh la we la. Might, I think we're. I think we're on overseas at that point. So have you Have that. you watched that Rolling Stones? Ooh la la. No. Is that good? Pretty no, interesting. I gotta see it. Them going to South America. Oh, and right. And learning all the different dialects from the countries. Yeah. Nice. And him coming out and talking shit in Spanish. Yeah. He's brilliant. Does he like, pull it off? He pulls it off. Yeah. When he goes to Cuba, he pulls it off. Yeah. When he goes to these places, you could see him and how he gets a report and he does research on the town so he could talk shit. That's what comics do. You yeah. open up with a couple of local references. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, I mean, Leonard Skinner goes to Alabama. They're not going to open up with fucking. You know, whatever. They're going to open up with Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, sure. A couple people start slipping. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about all these uh, music movies coming out? Like, uh, especially, like, the one that really uh, that it interests me is that Beatles one. Where, like, he... Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of a cool concept where, like, no one remembers the Beatles. Do you guys, as a band, think, like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to have a movie based off our music or... I mean, I I would like to hope that we're many years away from yes. <laughs> being, yeah. being, really? that's, that's, being one of those, yeah, really? having a movie made about us. But you know, I mean, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty. I I love the Queen one, um, and in large part probably because I I'm not um, a crazy diehard Queen fan that knew all the stories and had you know knew that where they so you're took, not a took big license. Queen fan. Well, I mean, I like I like, Queen, I, like but I didn't I didn't know like. I didn't. I don't know the details of of how they came up, so I could just kind of watch it as a casual fan. Whereas, like you know, like Pat and Taylor, who know all like what that's wrong, that's wrong. They comboed that. You know what I mean? I think maybe you know saw it differently. Um, even though I think they liked it too, but uh, but I thought it was great, and it, it got my youngest son listening to Queen constantly, which I thought was great. And then that kind of turned him. He, he like I don't know, turned him into a little rock and roll fan. So I thought it was great. But like, you know, most of the time with those movies, if I know too much about oh, the okay. subject matter, I right. can't get past it. Like I tried to watch that Netflix Motley Crue movie and I could I made it about half an hour in and I, like, I can't fucking watch this. It Why was didn't like, you like it? Because I was like the biggest fucking Motley Crue fan ever. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't, there was no, um, I just couldn't look at those guys pretending to be Motley I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. You know, there was no... Um, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for? Um, suspension of disbelief. Suspension yeah. of disbelief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I couldn't. I just couldn't get there. You know. That's interesting. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, why would you hope that it would be a while until you had a movie based on the plan? Because we're still here. We're still like, we're here. still doing it. There's still rock and roll. <laughs> it's too soon. I don't even okay. know what the be yeah. What's the Beatle one about? I don't. I think it's like the. So one person remembers the Beatles. Right, this guy wakes like, up in an alternate universe, and he's the only one that remembers the Beatles. Like the Beatles didn't exist, but he knows all the songs. So he ta- he starts he becomes a a star doing all the old Beatles hits. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know what happens. But it it was just like they like they have the entire soundtrack and fuck him. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like, there's nothing about. The, well, I watched the trailer. There's nothing. No offense to anybody involved in that movie, but there's like nothing about it that appealed to me. But who okay. knows? So oftentimes with those kind of things, like you watch it and you're kind of you see it on a plane and you're like, ah, oh, it wasn't so bad. Okay. No, I like I like that that opening up. I really enjoy one of the things I really enjoy about what I do on this podcast is when I play a song that I've heard twenty thousand times, and when I play it. I get 
20,000 people ask me, what song is that? Right. And it could be burning up from Alberta leather. You know, nothing, yeah. nothing bothers me more that people really don't know the original five album fucking monster that Aerosmith is. Right. You know, from that first album to that Night at the Rutch, which a lot of people didn't like. I'm not a big fan of it either. But nobody really knows, like, uh, Get Your Wings. Nobody really knows that. You know it's so weird that you say that? Because I saw them at the Forum a few years ago, and it was really, like, 90s hit heavy right. set. And people were fucking losing their minds. And I had that same realization, like, wow, none of these people even know fucking they don't even know. the good shit. They don't, they don't have when I play. And they're not clamoring to, to hear it either. Like, no. you know what I mean? Like, it's they been, were. This has been the thing that has. I love music podcasts. I love doing them. I try to do one or two. I try to get Dean Delray in one. Just to, I remember the first time me and Burt Kreischer spoke about Guns N' Roses on here that we played Don't Cry in November Rain. People were emailing me for weeks. Because they only know Welcome to the Jungle. They know the new generation just knows, you know, I played, uh, what was Sammy Hagar? Ronnie Montrose. Oh, yeah. You know, Space Station number whatever, 18. Yeah. The next day, people lost their mind. Prince, uh, Sign of the Times. There are certain songs, uh, John and Hall and Oates, I can't go for that. Jesus, people lost their mind. You know, uh, Kin. What was that? Fucking? Greg Ken? Yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah. You know, there's <laughs> been so many songs that, and it makes me like go, holy fuck. So now when I wake up in the morning, I play the three songs that are on my mind. Mm. Whether it's Cowboys from Hell, you know, a little yeah, band. Yeah. He, uh, I play a couple Foo Fighter things. But a lot of people know the Foo Fighters. Like, everybody knows. Mm. But there's bands, you might, Michael Shankner, UFO lights out, they jump oh, out yeah. a fucking window. You know, they jump out a window when I play a live good, UFO. Good yeah, it's yeah. really weird. And that's why I, I get mad sometimes because fucking they'll flag me and they'll say I'm going to get sued. And I can't see a band getting mad at me. Wait, who fl who flags you? YouTube. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. If this was different, I'd have on fucking albums on right now with videos of you breaking down where you got the riff from right you right you can't do it i'd uh, rather do that right. with you yeah but yeah, you yeah. can't do it youtube yanks it flips it i want to uh, see kids to get educated on you know this is what this yeah, you know, when yeah. you hear uh when you hear uh blow up the outside world you could tell chris cornell was influenced by that's the beatles blow out the outside world is john lennon basically right it's right like a little bit so i want people to know but that's the that's the tough thing. I love yeah. And I hear it all the time. People call into Eddie Trunk and shit, and they yell at him. And they're like, there should be more radio stations <laughs> would fucking hold the music to show right. these kids. And I'm well, happy. this is like this is like the thing with it seems like you know every time we do an interview now, people go, why are there no rock bands? What happened to rock music? Where's all the rock bands? And it's the same thing. It's like you know, there's a million of them. Like, just why aren't they getting mainstream exposure? You know, there's tons of rock bands out there. Tons of great rock bands. Out great there, rock bands. You know, why why it's the, they're not in in the mainstream in this day and age? I don't know. You know why have why when I read uh, Keith Richards' biography, he made a great or read his book a couple of years ago. He made a great point. We don't even make live albums anymore. Right. 
no bands make live albums anymore because of the technology. We've forgotten how to wire a drum. Like they're like they forgot how to wire a fight. Have you read that uh, yeah. that chapter in the book? Yeah, yeah. Like, we got so technological that we forgot the basics. Well, you know, it's it is interesting because that <clears throat> that somewhere along the lines, you know, with with digital recording and everything, it the emphasis started getting more on like making everything perfect and everything's got to line up perfectly. And you know, that's the reason all the albums that we've been sitting here talking about sound the way they do is because they weren't perfect at all. They were they all weren't. fucked up, you know, shit's out of whack. And so that's what makes it sound the way it sounds. And we get away and we all got away from that. I mean, that is one of the like things I really like about, um, uh, you know, these last couple solo records I made with this, this guy. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Cobb, who's, who's yes. the producer on it. He's done, you know, tons of like Chris Stapleton and people like that. Um, but he records like the way that you make those records. There's no click track. You're everybody set up in a room recording live. That's like all the basic tracks. And it's it's like, you know, it's, it's still recorded in Pro Tools. It's not like it's like super throwback or trying to be retro or anything. But the sort of the, the heart of it is 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 less picked over. You know, how is the recording and the writing process of the Foo Fighters? It, I mean, it's varies from album to album for sure. I mean, there was a couple records we did that we recorded everything on tape, and that was really fun because you know, with you just have you know, you get like one. I get like one guitar track instead of like when you're recording in Pro Tools, you get like as many guitar tracks as you want, and then we'll figure it out in the mix, you know, kind of thing. Um, so it was fun, you know. You pretty much we each got like one track, you know, and you'd have to do whatever you were gonna do on on that one track. Um, but it, it was cool because you'd like, you know, if you, we'd be punching in with different pedals and different amps and different sounds. So that one track would go from like, you know, kind of jump all over the place. Um, in the writing process, is it Dave yourself? It's usually the way it goes is like Dave writes a bunch of stuff. He have, he'll have a bunch of riffs and, and song ideas and stuff. And he'll usually go record them. Um, just him, you know, playing everything and he'll send those out to everybody. And then we all kind of learn them. And then we get together and jam on them as a band, and uh, and just kind of jam on them and record them keep, and keep kind of keep going, kind of keep, keep kind of working on it until usually we'll do that for a while, and then um, when he feels like everything's ready to go, we'll jump in and, and go record it for real. What are you guys doing now? Touring? Recording? Yeah, we we just got home. We we're just over in Europe and did a bunch of festivals and did a couple of couple of, of our own shows. We played like. We'd never been to Croatia. We played in this old Roman like gladiator arena place uh, in Pula that was fucking mind blowing. It was like small, but it, like it was like, ruins. It was like, incredible. It's like so cool. Um, so we just did that and uh, and a bunch of festivals, and then we've got a couple more weeks in August, and then a couple of things here and there. We're going to South America and and uh, Central America in end of September, October, I think it is. And how long will that tour go, though? That's, that's I mean, I, I wouldn't even call it a tour. It's like, I think, three or four shows, something like that. So it's, That's it? Yeah, just kind of quick. And then, you know, we the couple of weeks in August is probably seven or eight shows or something like that, too. Then you come back and you do yeah. your own thing now. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I got I have, a, with my thing, I'm doing some shows this week, actually, around Southern California um, in, like, Costa Mesa and out of Pappy and Harriet's and then Bakersfield and then here in LA on Sunday. And, um, and then I've got, a, I haven't announced it yet, but we might as well announce it now. I'm, I'm going to do a couple weeks in September of, of my own shows. So around throughout, where around? 
around like i think it starts in outside of denver and then goes through the midwest a little bit in the south winds up at americana fest in nashville now what's your show on your own mostly well it depends sometimes i go out and do just me and a guitar yeah and that's like acoustic and that's fun i like doing that but i'm i'm you know as a guitar player i want to be able to play off of at least a play off a rhythm section you know so i can play leads and stuff um so i for for the for the shows in for the shows around town this weekend i just threw together you know a new lineup of dudes and we've actually been rehearsing the last couple days and and trying to learn the songs and get it together so fingers crossed you know one on the uh (laughs) I went on the Foo Fighters website. It, you know, gave me, but it didn't give me a lot of stuff. Do you have your own website? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that website? It is what is it? ChrisShifflettMusic.com. Where are you playing in Bakersfield? We have a lot of people in Bakersfield. Oh really? It's and, uh, that I think it's called the Tembler Brewery. Yeah, yeah. you know that place? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do it. I do. Oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah, I've never been. That's a great place. Yeah, I think it's right by the Crystal Palace. Yeah, right that's fucking yeah. huge. Yeah. And- You've been a, you're yeah. an interesting guy, brother. I mean, did you ever think it would get to this? I mean, and there's no limo, there's no bodyguard with you. <laughs> you're in the fucking Foo Fighters. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> now you do the podcast. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? I've been doing it for a few years now. It's I started um, in 2013. No shit. Yeah, and when but when I first started, like you know, I didn't know what the. I'm still really nobody don't know. Knew. Nobody, nobody knows what they're doing, nobody right? Knew. Yeah, but so so when I first started doing, it, I would put one up, and then I wait like a month and a half, and I put up another one, and then I wait two weeks, and I put up. You know what I mean? I had like no sort of set thing, and then I'd take four months and not do it, and then, you know what I mean? I was just real like kind of jackass about it, and then there was a certain point where I realized, fuck, I got to be consistent with this, and I started doing it every week. And that, I did that for like a year. I did it every week. And that was like too much. And then I backed up. Now I do about every two weeks. Although I haven't put one up for, for a few weeks right now. I've just been too busy. You know, between the Foo Fighter tour and getting ready for these shows, I just haven't had time. But I'm going to not. Ne- I usually put them up on Monday. So not next Monday, but I think the next Monday I'll probably. The name of the podcast it's is. called Walking the Floor. Walking the Floor. Now yeah. it says that you put country artists. Right? Yeah, a lot of country. Country no. Americana roots. But, you know, rock stuff too. And okay. some punk rock. Yeah, I just kind of. You know, whoever I I kind of want to ex- want to sort of expand beyond just even <laughs> doing musicians. You know, I think it'd be fun to just talk to anybody. Who else have you had on there? What kind of guests? Oh man, uh, Lucinda Williams and Dwight Yoakam and Merle Haggard. I got to interview. Oh no shit! Amazing. Yeah, um, uh, got Marty Stewart, Rodney Crowell, um, Sturgill Simpson, Wheeler Walker, of course. Um, I interviewed, I mean, so many people, uh, Jason Isbell, tons of tons. Who of influenced you in the country? Like, who did you hear and say, wow? Like, for me, it was Johnny Cash. I mean, Johnny Cash was and the then, entry point for know. me because, you know, like, you know, all that Sun Records stuff between, like, Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and all that stuff. But, like, Johnny Cash was probably the first, like, country, country artist I ever listened to. And, um, and then, but the big ones for me are, like, Merle Haggard and Buck Owens are, are probably the, the kings. You know, Merle for me. Yeah, I, I love Merle. I had a friend of mine that always played Merle in Colorado. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, so good. He that wrote the sense. best songs. He really did. His lyrics were. And so it was good. just a different. I don't know, country. Like I heard about a tour one time that, like Chris Christopherson, and those guys didn't. Was sponsored by Budweiser. Budweiser like cut them off mid tour. 
Like they had drank too much beer. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, those are the type of stories that yeah. get my dick hard. Yeah. Like, I, I could care less about heroin and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. But when four guys, I think it was Chris, I don't even know, like, the four, the three other dudes he was with. But all those type of stories, I love all that shit, you know? I yeah, know. I think it's funny with, with, with especially like the honky-tonk era right. of country where they, the image that they projected was this very clean-cut, wholesome family, churchy kind of thing. And those guys were drinking whiskey and taking tons of speed and fucking everything that moved. Like, they were the biggest fuck-ups of all, you know what I mean? I think there's, there's something so classic in that, you know, the... The way that's presented to the world. Well, they hit reality. it. Yeah. Everybody else came with long hair. Yeah. They came with their little fucking yeah. sweaters on. Yeah, they were going harder than probably most of the rock bands at that time. And they, they always had like those older women moderators at the Beehive. I can right. see them yeah. fucking them in the back. Yeah, yeah. You're an interesting guy, man. Uh, this has been great. Yeah. I don't want to take more of your time. I don't know how long you got or whatever. Well, thank you. You showed man. up early I, I like a gentleman. It. Yes, sir. When people have a podcast, they show up early. Yes. <laughs> I don't well, care who it is. It's it, so weird. Yeah. Um, you even surprised the hell out of me. I was like, He's well, it's ready. funny. You know, L.A., it's like it's uh, like I live on the other side of town, and I had to run a couple errands before I got here. You know what it is? Like, it might take you an hour and a half to get here, or it might take you 20 minutes. You just never fucking know in this town, you know? It's like you try to plan your day out. It's yeah. like, who knows? You know, it's you're always a mystery. You're such an easygoing <laughs> guitar player. Yeah, I'm trying. Like you're trying. Tell my wife that. <laughs> she keeps how calling me you, an asshole. How long have you been married for? Uh, I've been married. What is it? Sixteen years now. Yeah. yeah. And the kids? My oldest about to turn sixteen. And uh, and then I got a twelve year old that's about to turn thirteen. What do they think about that dad being the motherfucking Foo Fighters? I think that they uh, are are they think I don't know if well I they definitely think it's cool. They don't really tell me that though. You know what do I they mean? They talk shit to me. You ever hear him on the phone like "fuck you"? My dad's in the Foo Fighters. No, I've never heard him do that. But like you know, my my oldest figured out like yeah, sometime in the last year or so. Like oh fuck, my dad can get free concert tickets. <laughs> dad, I need those tickets to that Tyler the Creator show at the Forum. Go get them. You know, like that kind of thing. That's when it clicks for my kids. Like, oh, see dad's your, got a cool job. <laughs> I can see your dad telling like some kid, "Fuck you and the monkeys." <laughs> My dad was in the motherfucking Foo Fighters, bitch. I love it. I fucking yeah. love it. I love it, man. Hey, listen. Anytime you want to come on, right uh, on. What's the name of this last song that you just released? Uh, there's Hard. oh, uh, welcome to your first heartache. Or there, there's an the album that was I put it the out. Album? Yeah, it's Hard it's, Lessons. Yeah, is what Hard I got. Lessons. Yeah, is that a single? Uh, that's that's the album. That's the yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. When did that get released? That came out June 14th, so last month. So that's what you're touring. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, that out. Yeah. All right, man. When's yeah. the last time you're going to release a podcast? Uh, not this next week, but the week after. You promise? Yeah, I swear to God. We will fucking yeah. have them listen. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to Chris Jefflet on Walking the Floor. I mean, yeah, no, we covered everything I wanted to ask you. There was nothing I wanted to ask you out of this world. I like to say, now you, let me get, are you doing this like you don't have to edit it afterwards? You're the, actually the doing it? The video, yeah. The oh, video we're switching right now. That is so great. Because that's the part of podcasting I fucking hate the most it's going back and listening to it and like slapping it together for release yeah that i mean that that that's a hard part about keeping it consistent is the more stuff you add to it yeah uh the one the last thing i kind of wanted to ask is you you mentioned that there was a point right before foo fighters where you were considering quitting 
Well, I wasn't so much that I was considering quitting. I just sort of was seeing the, I thought that I was seeing, I thought that it had peaked for me. You know what I mean? Like I went, like I dropped out of high school, like I said, and I went, I went to, I took like some classes at San Francisco City College, and we had made a new record, but we we wasn't out yet, and just kind of had this little moment of like, hmm, you know, my dad always said I could move, move in with him, and he'd pay for me to go to school. Maybe I should kind of think about just kind of doing a left turn here. But uh, and then the Foo Fighter thing came up, and none of that happened. How old were you at that time? Uh, I think I was what twenty seven, twenty eight when I joined the band. I was twenty eight when I joined Foos. Yeah, it's a fucking perfect age. Yeah, I feel like it was a perfect age That's because perfect I wasn't, age. I wasn't like nineteen and ready. stupid. Yeah, you stupid. know what I mean? Because who knows? Yeah, no, yeah. you were the perfect age. Yeah. I had already slept on a few floors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know how nice yeah. it was. Now we're in a Four Seasons. And, oh, Big dude! Fucking I remember difference. The, uh, the day I got the gig. Our tour manager goes, "Hey, you want me to get you a room at the Sunset Marquee? We're staying there." I was like, "What?" Are you in my own room? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> All right, fuck, I'm I'm in. It's a bad. Yeah. Were you married at that time already? No. Okay. Dating? No. Uh, I had a girlfriend. Not her. Not your. Not wife. my wife. No. 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 Yeah. Fuck that bitch. She left. <laughs> and look well, what happened. Now, you know, you t- became a star. <laughs> she left at the. She wrong was a nice girl. She was what? a nice girl. She ever call you anymore and say, no. "Take me back"? No. No. <laughs> I want to be a Foo Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> i love you buddy it's yeah. been a pleasure it's been a real pleasure i know thank you're you busy and uh thank you very much for coming on any dates give me some dates let's promote some what's the uh, okay yeah dates? so the now, okay so wednesday the 10th in costa mesa at the wayfair and then friday the 12th at pappy and harriet's out in the desert saturday the 13th at the tembler in bakersfield, bakersfield. which is a great place yes I'll be there like in December. And then, and then Sunday at the Moroccan Lounge here in beautiful Los Angeles, downtown. You're, you're fucking beautiful. Yeah. I will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Charlotte, North Carolina. Nice. At the beautiful and the fucking tremendous Comedy Zone, you bad motherfuckers. I want to thank Chris. I want to thank the Flying Jew, but most importantly, I want to thank you guys. Do not forget, I will be at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte this weekend. Five great shows. Saturday's close to selling out. And then the 9th of of August, I will be at the Lincoln Theater in Washington, D.C. That's how we do it. We're keeping the summer light. Tickets are cheap. $28 in Charlotte. Take a chance. Columbus did. You're going to have a fucking great time. Also, the Church of What's Happening Now is brought to you by 4hymns.com, a wellness brand for men. Whether you suffer from erectile dysfunction, you're losing hair, you're having problems with uh, your skincare. Four Hymns is there for you. You've heard us talk about Four Hymns and how they're helping guys look their best. If you haven't yet, it's time to see what they're all about. The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. It's time to get a handle on those precious locks. I ask you, do you want a ball spot to pop up on your hairline or to recede, or do you want to do something about it first? Why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn to medicine and science? The solution for you is 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness, okay? No, sna- no snake oil pills, no gas station counter supplements, no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. 4 connects you with real doctors online, which could save you hours, completely confidential and discreet. You answer a few questions, 
A doctor will review it, and if they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe your medication to treat hair loss, and it's shipped directly to your door. It's that easy. Get the hair loss treatment everybody's talking about. It's been featured in GQ, Men's Health, Esquire, Playboy, just to name a few. Now, today, right now, the church family can get started with a complete hair kit for $5. Joey, $5, $5, $5, $5 at 4hims.com slash Joey. See website for full details and safety information and while supplies last. Because I know if I got a deal like this for $5, it'd be going off the shelves. This could cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor. But no, with 4 with com, we got you. Go to 4hims.com slash Joey. That's 4hims.com slash Joey. The church is also brought to you by Onnit. Listen, when it comes to supplements, Onnit is the king. From the protein powders to the CMT oil to the Alpha Brain, which they give you 100% money back guarantee and you can keep the product. Who does that? Nobody but Onnit. That's why I believe in them. I trust them and I love them. Aubrey is doing a phenomenal job down there at the Onnit Center. Be a part of it. Go to Onnit.com right now. Take a look at the great supplements they have to order. If you find up, go to the box and press in. Church. And get 10% off your order delivered right to the crib. Nobody gets their feelings hurt. You understand me? Listen, I want to thank you guys for the continued support. You know I love you guys with all my heart. I'll see you in Charlotte, but most importantly, I'll see you Thursday morning or Wednesday morning, ready to rock. Tip-top motherfucking Magoo. We're coming into Charlotte big time, all right? Now I want to play a little song for you from Chris Shiflett from his new album, Hard Lessons. I love you guys. Thank you very much for listening, for taking the time. Kick this fucking meal, Lee.
Welcome 